Welcome everyone, you are listening to Art of Touring, the podcast. I am your host, Dog. I'm feeling pretty good today, just had a busy weekend. I got a cold, had a runny nose, running like a tap, so it was, but uh, I've come good today, which is good. I'm looking forward to uh, this weekend, getting to play a hometown show in Collingwood at the Bendigo Hotel with my band, Smokestack Rhino, which I have been mentioning on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, so that should be a great night. I've lined up uh, interviews with the bands that are playing with us on the night, so hopefully I'll be able to find a secluded part of the venue to set up the podcasting equipment and record some future episodes of Art of Touring. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or the recently launched Google Podcasts app. This week on the podcast, I sat down with solo blues artist Mike Elrington. We caught up during the Jamboree Music Festival in New South Wales just last weekend, and we spoke at length about his touring experiences and his uh, touring of every corner of the globe. He shares some great stories, so you're in for a treat today. Uh, there is some coarse language, not much, but uh, just in case, switch on over to, you know, the Wiggles or something, and then switch back over to Ardo AOT once the kids are dropped off at daycare. Now let's take a moment for to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 15 of Art of Touring is proudly brought to you this week by Cafe 80s. Are you looking for a cafe where you can order a Pepsi in a weird baby bottle? Feel the need to play Wild Gunman only to have your manhood questioned by a young Elijah Wood? Ever felt the desire to take on Griff in a hoverboard chase around Hill Valley? Then come to Cafe 80s, where we get pretty much everything wrong about the future. Alright guys, just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on the desktop, just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Here's my chat with Mike Elrington. Welcome to the Art of Touring, everybody. I'm sitting in uh, Jamboree, New South Wales, about to sit down and have a chat with Mike Elrington. How are you, big fella? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I caught um, the last song of your set. It was very uh, energetic. Thank you. (laughs) You had that moment where you were uh, uh, singing to the crowd, no mic needed, you know, just just, uh, a a cappella. Just get up there and belt it. (laughs) Yes. Um, where are you from, mate? Where, where did you grow up? Uh, Adelaide originally. Um, grew up there and started um, getting involved in music, um, like doing gigs and stuff when I was about 17 and then yep. um, moved over to Melbourne um, a couple of years later and been based in Melbourne ever since. Oh, okay. Um, and so you moved over over to Melbs like in your early 20s? Yeah, I was 19 when I moved over there. The old man was, was, was living there, so I went and lived with him for a while and I yep. always saw Melbourne as a... I guess a better, a better scene uh, musically with uh, more opportunities and more going on and more gigs and more musicians. Um, yeah, and getting involved in that was always something I wanted to do. Um, I didn't didn't want to stay in Adelaide. Um, right, wanted to, to get out of there, so saw it as a, a good opportunity to do that. And I love love living there. It's good. Yeah, right. Whereabouts in Melbourne are you? Port Melbourne at the moment. Oh, in Port Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah, I'm out in Epping, in the northern suburbs. Ah, right. So it takes okay. me a while to get into the city. Yeah. There's yep. no freeway, you know, yeah. like, uh, to, to that area of, of town. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, how did you 
become a musician? What was the stepping stone? Is there any musicians in your family? Not really. Not music wasn't really much of a thing in my family. It was it was the first thing I ever wanted to do. I, mean, I was three years old and I heard um, the riff from Money uh, Money for Nothing, Die Straits. Ah, yes. I heard that and it just just really kind of struck a chord with me and I thought that's that's what I want to do. I didn't start playing guitar till I was about eleven. Yeah. In my last year of high school back in Adelaide and. Just got 10 lessons uh, with a, a local music school and just yep. started from there um, and then sort of taught myself, self-taught throughout yeah. my teenage years and pick up a few lessons here and there from players that I liked and just listen to lots and lots of records and a lot of the old blues guys, yeah, Diddy right. Ray, Hendrix, Clapton, B.B. King, Albert King, Freddie King, the list goes on, all those, all those guys like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I used to practice oh, six to eight hours a day. And missed a lot of school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, right. Um, Were you in bands in in high school? Yeah, yeah, did yeah. A, did in lots of bands and stuff. And it, throughout my twenties, I was I was doing the three piece band thing, and yeah, we did oh, three or four albums together. And oh wow, toured America a couple of times. And what was and that band that, called? Oh, just the Mike Ellington band. Yeah, just under yeah. my name, three piece blues rock trio. Yeah, and then um, we sort of went our separate ways in the end. In the last uh, six seven years, I've really been focusing on the. The solo thing, I like the challenge of the acoustic and um, just playing on your own and pushing yourself to make a, I guess, a bigger and fuller sound. Yeah. Um, I do like the the challenge and the task of, of being able to do that. Well, you, you're certainly winning at that, mate, because I, I'm pretty sure I only I counted six strings on that guitar and yeah. it sounded a lot bigger than that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Very cool. And so what was the name of that very first band um, in high school before you, you did the Mike Elrington um, trio? It was the... Oh, now you got me. <laughs> I think it was the Manic Depressants. The Manic Depressants? Yeah. That's great. I love yep. asking that because the, the names in high school bands are always like so... They can either be fantastic or terrible, but yeah. either way, they're always like very memorable, you yeah. know? Yeah, so I think it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Manic depressants. Remember these things, because there would have been so many names floating, floating around. Yeah, so yeah. We took it from a Hendrix song. Yeah, okay, there yeah. you go. Manic depression. Yeah. So, yeah, and did you sing in that band as well? Yeah, I, I wasn't really much of a singer back then. I never really wanted to sing. Yeah. Uh, it was always guitar for me, um, and I sort of sang out of necessity because I just kind of had to do it. I didn't do it because I wanted to. Right. Um, but it took a long time to get comfortable as a singer and lots of voice lessons and training and yeah, right. all that sort of stuff and took years before I was actually felt felt comfortable and yeah. guess overcame that that fear and that anxiety of, of not liking my voice and not right. thinking that I'd always be pretty average at it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good to. I'm glad I, st I stuck it out because I love yeah. I love singing now, and I, yeah, I, that's I guess as important to me as guitar playing. Yes, well. So it's good to be able to have both and allow them to work, um, to work together with each yeah. other. Yeah, far out, man. So, no, I mean, look, I I would probably say uh, for myself, I'm the opposite. I've always been comfortable with my voice, yeah. but have found a struggle with my guitar playing. Yeah. You know, hard to get both right. I think very few people are just natural at both. Yeah. You get a lot that are good at one, not so much the other, yeah. but in that case, that's where you just, you just got to put the work in to exactly. the other. And that, that's sort of how I approach singing. Cause it never came easy. Yeah. Right. For me, uh, 
but I love it now um, mm. after years and years of working at it. Yeah. But yeah, it took, took a while to get there. That's it, man. So just keep keep hammering away at it. Yeah. yeah. And so you've mentioned that uh, the first band um, in your 20s when you moved to Melbourne, the, the Mike Elrington band, you actually did a tour to America. Yeah, we did a couple of trips over there. Uh, just small little, little runs that I put yeah. together on the West Coast and... Throughout, like, San Fran, L.A., Vegas, Arizona, New Mexico. Wow, yeah. Kansas City, Missouri. We did one gig in New York as well. Yeah, and did you actually book all the shows yourself? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I went over. So I first went to the States in 2005. I went to South by Southwest in Austin, yeah. in Texas, and um, just bought a... Back then, they had Polestar Talent Buyer directories, they're like huh. a phone book of venues. Right. So uh, you just go through that and it was all really comprehensive and yeah. uh, really great listings of phone numbers and emails and I just put it, just went. Put it together yourself. Just do it. We got every reason not to tour because we had no release out there. We didn't have an audience. We had no no uh, representation from an agent or management or nothing like that. But yeah. we just thought, no, well, let's do it. So And that was... I mean, they were hard tours because we were playing small little places. Sure. Not, not, not big crowds, not a lot of money, all that sort of stuff. But it was great. I learned a lot. You certainly there. would have cut your teeth, yeah. Yeah, over there. I mean, you, you work really hard over yeah. there. It's a, it's a tough market. It's, it's so big and so vast. and Right. So many places to play and so many more miles to cover. And Yeah. Um, yeah, American audiences have a real expectation of of something they really yeah. want to see a show and yeah they they kept you on your toes over there so it's good far out man yeah. do you think uh, when you think back of those of those days do you have any um gigs that stand out that like oh man that was like a really great show like that you feel like oh yeah there were plenty over there that were like that if there's one that stands out um we played a place called JJ's Blues in San Jose. Okay. And we actually recorded a live album there. And San Jose is about, for those who don't know, it's about an hour out of San Francisco. Okay. Near, sort of near Silicon Valley and all that. And um, it was just a little, tiny little hole-in-the-wall blues club, but it was it had been around for a long time and it was had a lot of history to it. And like John Lee Hooker used to play there. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, all the big names that played there at mm. one stage in their careers. And um, the, the walls are just covered in like signed photos of yeah John Lee Hooker B.B. King Howlin' Wolf very historical Muddy venue. Waters all these um, legends that you've grown up sort yeah. of idolising um, as a, a blues musician and sure and you're playing the same stage that they did so that was and we had a, just a, it was just one of those great gigs where yeah. the band was just firing and we were, it was our second gig in America so we were really excited to be mm. over there and, and just be immersed in it over there so yeah. it was, that was very memorable that would have been the best one yeah yeah right on yeah. but there were lots of lots of great ones over there we played in New York City on September 11 in 2008 yeah Whoa. yeah so uh, not long after the um, the World Trade Center attack that um, would have been pretty full on yeah that yeah. would have been still pretty fresh in their minds yeah it was over there seven then. years after yeah but still and they do memorials every 
every year for it. Yeah. Uh, but where we played wasn't far from the World Trade Center. Well, what was the, the venue called? The, uh, it's gone now. It used to be called Sullivan Hall. Okay. It's not an actual hall. They call it that. They call it hall, don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's I, a club. Yeah, they, they, it's they just like a the club hall. or a bar or whatever. Yeah. I, I went over there with my missus in 2011 and we, we stayed in New York for about five nights. Yeah. And we went to the Rockwood Music Hall. Yeah. And we were thinking like something we're in today, like a hall. Yeah. But it's just a bar. A bar, <laughs> a bar. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, so what was that one called again? Sullivan Hall. Sullivan Hall, yeah. yeah. In, in Greenwich Village. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, not like we'd, we'd walk out of the club and you could see right down, not far down the street with the where the World Trade Center was and the two wow. two big lights as a memorial. Yes. Um, that shine up with those. So, yeah, that was pretty pretty surreal. Man, but, that, um, that town, I, I just remember a vivid, vivid memories of being in that town, even just on holidays, just thinking... The pumps. Oh, I would love to live there. Yeah. Just the, the yeah. city was just infectious. Yeah. And it's safe. Alive. I felt completely safe there. Yeah. I mean, I guess as a bloke, maybe it's different. Maybe ladies wouldn't feel so self, safe in the city walking down the street, but... Um, yeah, I, I felt like the idea of crime and all that, but maybe that was like in the 80s and 90s. I think yeah, they in the cleaned it up. Cleaned it up a bit. Yeah, yeah Rudy Giuliani, I think, put his foot yeah. down. Yeah. Giuliani. That's it. Yeah. Oh, far out. And so then you come back, and this is like maybe you're still in your 20s at this point. You come back to Melbourne and you, you lose the, the, the band members. You're like, I want to go on it on my own. And you've been doing that now for about seven years. Yeah, I mean, even with the band, I was still doing... The, I've always done the solo thing, but I guess the solo thing was secondary to the band for the first 10, 15 years, and now it's the primary thing. Yeah. So I do oh, 120 to 130 shows a year um, wow. playing solo, Yeah. mainly around Australia, and I still do a little bit of overseas stuff, like New Zealand. I did uh, China last year for yeah. the first time. I've done Thailand a couple of times. Um uh, England once, and uh, I'll be going back to Nashville in the states uh, later this year for a conference. Not don't have gigs, but for a, yeah. a festival and conference called Americana. So, well, you certainly yeah. fit the bill for the name of the podcast, Art of Touring. <laughs> You've got yeah, the, the yeah. miles under the K's under you. That's for sure. Yeah, it's been My goodness touring on and off now for oh since two thousand and three. Yeah. So what's that? Fifteen, sixteen years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so oh, I love it. Yeah, um, it's. I, I've always loved going on the road and, and being in new places and yeah. meeting new people and playing for fresh audiences that don't know who I am. And it's a chance for me to yep. to try and win some new fans and yeah, um, and, and meet new people. And I love always love traveling. Mm. So um, yeah, touring's great, and I think it's the best way to, I guess, make a consistent living these days yeah. as a, as an artist with uh, things the way that they are. With streaming and the CDs not really being a thing anymore, yeah, like they used to be. So it's no, really so got to go on the road and, and put on a show. So yeah, yeah. And so, do you have a family, Mike? I do. I did get separated with my wife uh, about seven months ago, so oh, that's, that's been a, a challenging yeah. time. I've got a couple of kids. You do, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we still we still talk and it's still yeah. friendly and peaceful and oh that's good I see the kids every fortnight and okay. so yeah i do have a family but um, how old are the kids two and four. Oh yeah, wow four year old girl and two year old boy wow yeah um so yeah it is challenging mm. um balancing all of that and yeah because you've got a tour and if you want to make a living you gotta go on the road but then you don't want to do too much of that so that you're never at home so it's it's, it's a constant it's a balancing balancing act, act that, yeah, yeah never 
you never you're never perfect at it. <laughs> it's yeah, always, right. It's always so room for more improvement. There's uh, it's a, a give and take, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, I mean, I I personally have only really toured over the last um, two or three years. Yeah. Because my, my first band, um, the Pass Outs, we were called just a straight up three piece, uh, or sometimes we were even a four or five piece rock band. Yeah. Um, and we we exclusively just played in Melbourne because it was just spoiled for choice. You know, sure. I've mentioned yeah. this on a couple of podcasts already, but um, uh, since I've joined the lads from Smokestack, and because we have that blues element to our music, it, it lends itself to touring a lot more because there are blues festivals that we yeah. can get on you know, the bill yeah. and, and and play other shows. So great festival scene in Australia, especially with yeah. the blues, blues roots kind of thing. It's yeah, really taken off, and I think uh, we can thank. Thank Blues Fest a lot mm. for that in Byron. Uh, that's obviously the biggest one, but yes. that's been around uh, uh, oh, 26, 27 years now. Sure, yeah. It's it's at such a, a point of popularity. Literally millions of people know about it now, and I think mm. that's really given the whole festival scene a, a, a big shake-up and some inspiration, and a lot of smaller festivals have, have started. Oh, yeah. most definitely, and all the sideshows that, that they have, you know, yeah. when the, and that comes out all the yeah. way here from the States or Europe or whatever, they go, oh, I won't just play the festival, I'll, I'll put on my own show when those shows sell out as yeah. well. And yeah. yeah. And there's so many, I love seeing the smaller festivals pop up, mm. like, like Jamboree this weekend, you know. Brand new festival. First, first one. And, yeah. Uh, festivals are, it, it's hard for them to stay alive, it's, it's hard for them financially, there's a lot of costs and risks yeah. involved and a lot, a lot come and go. But I always think that there will be room for festivals because the public will always want it. Yes. It's a great community event. Yeah. Um, a lot, especially with blues and roots music festivals. They're good for families as well. Mm. Um, and they bring bring people of all different sorts together. Yeah. Um, and, and it enhances and enriches the community. So Most definitely, I always yeah. think there'll be room for, for festivals. Most definitely, man. Yeah, I mean... Look, I mean, this this one here, hats off to the guys from Kane in 1920 yeah, for organising it. for doing it, it. yeah. It's fantastic, because, I mean, you, you see their tour schedule and it's, it's out of control. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. The, the fact that they've been able to put together a, a festival of their own yeah. um, is really admirable. So, yeah. yeah, hats off to those guys. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, can you look back into the recesses of your mind and, and, and see if you've got... Uh, a funny story from the road that the the people might enjoy, get a bit of a chuckle a out story. of. Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> the one that always comes to mind. I don't know if it's it's kind of oh, it's not funny. It's probably more a bit scary. But yeah, go on. Um, so it was the first time we were in LA, uh, and we had a meeting with a, a booking agent out in Orange County, which is about uh, 30, 40 k's out of like downtown, sort of in the. In the in the suburbs, yeah, and uh, we were staying in Santa Monica, which was right on the beach. So um, we met up with this booking agent out there, and we were asking her, "Where is there? Where's bad to go? Where do you not want to go in LA? That because it's dangerous and there's yeah. gangs and violence and shootings and all that." And she's like, "Oh, don't go to Compton, of course, Compton, yeah. straight out of Compton um, <laughs> for the NWA fans out there." Um, so, and that's smack bang in the middle of South Central. So she she strictly warned us about that, and we're like, "Okay, we'll avoid Compton on the way when we're driving back." So we finished sure. a meeting with her about eleven o'clock at night. We're driving back on one of the freeways, and there was. A a big accident or a truck had rolled over and it was all blocked off. So we had to, we were on our way back to Santa Monica and we had to take an exit and 
uh, we we come we take the exit, we get to a, a T junction, yeah. and there's two options. There's turn right, which is the opposite direction of um, Santa Monica, where we wanted to go, or turn left, and that's Compton. So <laughs> we had to go through there. And, and you'd I, just been told. And I that. remember um, just it, it's a gradual kind of decline. Yeah. Of, of of your surroundings, like it gets worse and worse gradually. Like wow. you start seeing, you know, nice, okay looking houses and clean gardens. To it just just gets worse, messier, um, yeah, right. more rundown, decrepit. Uh, you start seeing bars on the windows. They, yeah. they literally look like prison cells, and it just starts getting rougher. And then you start seeing the cop choppers flying over, flares really? on the road, roadblocks, and lots of uh, real low, souped up Lincolns with with hip hop. Right, and you <laughs> were in the tour van, and we oh we we never we had a like a an SU no we had a, a little minivan a minivan yeah like a Tarago type minivan yeah 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 and we're driving through Compton and um it's like midnight and I'm starting to get a little anxious and yeah, it, rightly so yeah you know because it's not where we wanted to be and um all of a sudden I hear this beep beep in the car it's like we're running out of gas. <gasps> Oh no! <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, what's going on? So I'm frantically looking around for a gas station that didn't have a gang yeah. around, uh, just hanging around because that's, that's what they do. That's and where they would go. That's where yeah. they hang out. Uh, so I finally found one, and um, yeah, on off one of the one of the side streets, and there was no one around. And yeah, the over there they have, um, you, it's all prepay fuel so you gotta go pay for your fuel first, first and then you go up to an attendant and then give him your money and then he gives you a certain amount of fuel then you go go put it in your car sure so we go up there and there's this one, one black dude sitting in this little like thick bulletproof glass booth and he just he's just got this real dark stare he looks at me what are you doing here down, down here boy <laughs> the people that like you don't come down here yeah yeah and um yeah, I just gave him the money quickly and, yeah, he he just, just stared at me. That was all he said. Yeah, and, right. Um, and then we just got the hell out of there and... <laughs> and that was it. And then and then we got back to Santa Monica on, and, um, yeah. You, you but survived it, was a it, man. Far out. Hairy experience, that. Well, I mean, for people that don't live in the area and, and aren't exposed to that kind of culture, it, it can be quite confronting, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, when you haven't um driven through that or yeah. haven't um, yeah, been around it before mm. uh it can be can be pretty pretty hairy but well, it's just like whenever you right. you're talking to someone from like a different so say someone from queensland or something yeah um and they're talking about oh this area or that area and if you're just a, a lad from the suburbs of melbourne who's never been exposed to any kind of different culture other than you know what you're used to yeah yeah and then and then you hear so, you, you meet someone on the road or you meet someone from from there and they have a very different outlook on the world. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about. And you go, whoa, but you can't judge because you didn't live where they lived. That's right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, yeah, man, you just got to keep keep on keeping on. That's probably the most memorable story. And I've told that to a few like newspapers and radio shows. And there sure. was one tour we did in, in Tassie. And I was talking to the paper in Hobart down there, the Mercury. And I told them the story. And then... Um, they reinterpreted it as um, the sub-headline was quite possibly the only ever Aussie band to sell CDs to armed gangsters in Compton. <laughs> Why did they get that from the story? It's like, wow. Oh, my God. I mean, that's that's cool. That's Yeah. 
<laughs> not what I said, but hey. Yeah, if you want to take that, that from that story. That'll probably get more uh, more attention. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, this story is pretty good, but what if they actually sold records to them? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. So Far out, man. Yeah. Well, there you go. And so, um, yeah, so you, you've, you've toured the States, you've toured all around Australia, um, and... Uh, at the moment, which is the record that you're promoting right now? What's it called? Uh, the most recent one uh, is Live at the Flying Saucers, the live album that I did, I released last year. Yeah. And there's a, it's a CD and a DVD, mm-hmm. sort of my best acoustic work that I've done over the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, the most recent album. I released a single a couple of months ago called Oh Josephine. Okay. It's a little tribute song to my uh, my grandmother that I wrote on the night that she died. She died at 87 and oh. wrote a little song for her and I released that as a single mm. um, and there's a clip for that as well and I'm about halfway through the next studio album. So The next one as well. Yeah, always writing new stuff. Yeah. And I love I love the process of songwriting because it's, it's, it's just never ending. There's always... Sure. I think there's always somewhere else to go with with songwriting, and there's always as, as much as you as a writer, you have you do have times where you feel blocked and you feel like yeah. you don't have anything to say or to to play, and we all go through that. But it's mm. about pushing through those mental uh, barriers yeah. and um, and and knowing within yourself that there's always another song in there, and I like yeah. the the chase and the challenge of that. And, I love all sorts of music too. I don't just like blues or roots music. I sure. like rock, funk, soul, metal. I even like the hip hop, dance, pop stuff. I yeah, don't like man. all of it, but yeah. I, there's nothing I won't listen to. And I, well, there's good music, good versions of all music. You that's know? right. Like there might yeah. be really terrible hip hop, but then there might be some really good stuff. You yeah, know? and and that's where people are always surprised when people find out that I like, you know, an act like Logic. Yeah, he's a you know hip hop artist from the states. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, you know, and uh, hip hop really these days is like the new rock. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's taken over in it a, really in a, has. In a big way, and I totally get why because I I feel like at the moment in hip hop, um, they just take more risks. Mm. They're, they're, they're edgier. They're what it's kind of like what rock and roll used to be. Yeah, man. For me, rock and roll's kind of become a little bit stale and corporate. And yeah, there's good stuff out there. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like hip hop's really leading the way because it's just taking more risks creatively, and mm. it's going. It's it's eager to go to keep going to new places. And, yeah, right. And and I I love it. So I like to try and incorporate bits of that on some of the stuff I'm doing at the moment has a bit more of a hip hop. Oh, there you issue. go. I'm not a rapper or anything myself, but no, yeah. I like working with hip hop type beats and putting guitar riffs and loops over them, and I'd yeah, like man. to work with a rapper or two mm. uh, for the next next album so oh, that'd be cool man is anyone out there that raps yeah. <laughs> wants to be on a modern day blues record get Could in be touch. cool man <laughs> it's funny you mention that because um, we're actually recording at the moment the lads from Smokestack Rhino yeah and we've been we've been reworking this song it's called My Pollution and we're going to be playing it tonight excellent and it's been this is like the fifth or sixth version of the song. Yeah, cool. Um, and this latest version that we're doing, where I actually am trying to incorporate a bit of like hip hop rapping into the verses. Great. Yep. Um, we did kind of dabble in that on the first album. There's yep. a song called Rhino Funk Party, where I'm doing like a, a hip hop thing, and then it's kind of like a good kind of party rock funk song. Yeah. 
Um, but this is the first time we're going to try and take it into a different direction. And so we, we tested the waters last night. We played last night at the Captain Cook Hotel. Where's that? Um, it was in pa- Paddington. Paddington, oh, up in Sydney. In yeah. Sydney? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Great stage. Yeah, cool. Um, but it was more of a, a little-known venue, so yeah. it wasn't terribly busy, but it was still, you know, there was a good crowd, which was nice. Great. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be fun to see how a festival crowd will react yeah, to it as well. Yeah, I'll checking you guys out tonight. Yeah. Are so. oh, you sticking around? Yeah, I'm finished. I've just... Did the one set and yep. I'm staying in Jamboree tonight. Oh, so, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be I'll be around. Excellent. Yeah. Um We've got Kane, he's he's, he's delivering the, the furfies to us here, mate. Oh, he's working hard. <laughs> he's working hard. There you go. And so do you um do you you were talking about how you love different kinds of music and all that kind of gear. Yeah. Do you have to play covers to subsidize your income or you don't have to do the covers thing? Oh I I do I do a few covers because I want to. Yeah. Um, not so much because I have to. I've always done the music that I've wanted to do, and I've been able to make that work and uh, find an audience for yeah, it. Yeah. Not a not a huge audience, but enough of an audience to keep me going because I tour a lot. But I like a lot of covers. Yeah. But I I I like to reinterpret covers my own way. Sure. Um, and put my own slant on them. Right. Because I mean. We all start playing covers, yes. I think, and then it's, and then from that we we can we develop, we work we start writing our own songs and developing our own sound. Yeah, but yeah, I I I, I play a few covers in yeah. my set. Yeah, so some gigs it's even as high as like fifty fifty. Yeah, right. originals and and some covers, but well, I mean, in the blues in the blues realm, you can kind of get away with well, that. Yeah, there's a lot more covering going on. Yeah, yeah, but we tend to cover more obscure stuff so yes. if we play a cover it's not because it's a top 40 hit that exactly. everyone's going to know yeah um, it could be a Muddy Waters song or it could be a Buddy Guy song or it could yeah. be an Albert King song that a few hardcore blues aficionados might know yes but the general public wouldn't so I mean yeah I, I have no issue playing covers I, I, I think it's um, important to try and bring something to a to a cover tune of your own identity that wasn't there in the original. Yeah, right. It, it, otherwise, you're just kind of replicating what's already been done. And yeah. Then you're a cover band or a cover act. Um, yeah. And so you've never had to do that? No. I I have tried it a couple of times. Like when I was younger and just just broke and had no gigs. And sure. Was, and just All right, in and out of pub and do some covers. In and out of lineups and you just, you know, you just want to you always want to keep playing and you always want to keep keep doing gigs. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so there were a couple that I would uh, like audition for, but it mm. just never went anywhere. Yeah, right. Even if I did get in one, it wouldn't last or they'd kick me out after a while or I'd leave or it just, yeah, it, it never, it was always a dead end, the whole sure. Strictly cover scene. And uh, look, it works for, for some people. Yeah, man. I, I get it, but I just, I never wanted to get too immersed in that world because I think yeah. I think you could get stuck in it. Oh, most um, definitely. You know, I see, see a lot of guys do that and it's all that they do and if that's mm. what they want to do, that's fine. That's fine, yeah. But I think if, if if they've got their own sound and their own identity and their own songs mm. but they're choosing to neglect that and ignore that and just play covers because it's a, a bit of a paycheck, mm. well, I think they're doing themselves a bit of a, a, a disservice. disservice. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and this, it's a common... 
discussion, the whole covers versus original thing, and yeah. I, I understand both sides of the argument, but when it comes to um, like getting paid, and I, I think there's a, well, there's definitely more money in original music because as a, as an original artist, you've got so many different streams of revenue, and you, you've got ownership of copyright yes. over your songs. You don't have any of that when, if you're a cover act, you can't sell merch, you can't get a publishing deal, yeah. you can't get sync placements on films or ads or TV shows because yeah. you don't own the, the song. It's playing other people's music. So all That's you're it. getting is the is the gig money. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm, I'm strongly a, a big believer and an encourager for people to follow their own music. Um, sure, and, yeah. And, and believe that they can make a living out of it because mm. you can. There's enough people who are doing it. Mm. Um, just got to believe that, that it can work. It can work. Yeah, that's admirable, man. I mean, because I, I, I do do the covers, you know. Um, yeah. I'm in a cover cup, a cup. I do like a regular cover band gig like on a Friday night um, yep. when I'm not doing, you know, original sure. stuff. Yep. Um, and it, it really is just kind of pocket money, you know. Sure. So I can keep the yeah. keep the missus happy. So. Sure. Oh, I, I get it. I'll yeah, you. yeah. Yeah, we're all in a difficult, a challenging mm. position financially. Uh, but one thing I try and... Uh, mention and push to artists is that yeah there's potentially greater money in original music if yeah you, if you can make it work if yeah. you push it and you know really build an, an audience for it mm. look at look at publishing try and get a publishing deal and yeah right all those sorts of things so you can get get music like getting songs placed in films and ads and and yeah. um tv shows these days it's it's really a thing it's not a it's it's not a cheesy sort of sell-out thing that it used to no, be looked at. It's, no, it's, real, at it's a way to build an audience these well, days. I mean, if you can get it, more, and, more power and, to and, you. And, and get paid for it as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to push your own music. I'm yeah. a big believer in that. Talking about coin, do you have a, a, a day gig no, as well? No, I haven't, I haven't had a day job uh, or a real job, as I <laughs> like to refer to it, <laughs> yeah. um, in uh, seven years. Wow. Yeah. So, so full-time, full-time original music. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic, yeah. dude. Um, prior to that, I did have day jobs. I used to do call center, telemarketing, sales, yeah. all that sort of typical muso jobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever I could find. But And I was touring and playing part-time, yes. doing more of the band thing. But I, I struggled a lot uh, for many years believing that I could do it full-time and wow. had a lot of, um, I guess, confidence issues and anxiety about, oh, yeah, I can do this part-time but I don't know if mm. I can make that leap yeah. uh, to it full-time but I'm really glad that I did do it because I always wanted to yeah. uh, and I just had to take I just had to jump in and, yeah. um, but obviously touring solo makes it easier financially well all the coin goes to you man yeah, yeah. you don't have other um, dudes you have to pay and everything and, and your overheads are lower obviously yeah. and um, if it, like touring is the main way I make a living yes. out of it if it wasn't for the touring yeah it'd I wouldn't be able to do it. No, that's it. Because it's not like I'm making a lot of money from Spotify or right. or, or publishing or anything like that yet. But um, yeah, touring is is really where it's at. Well, and I think even just for the bigger acts as well. I mean, they're yeah. sure they're going to get money from the CD sales or whatever online sales, but the, those ticket prices and that merch at the door, you know, they sell a lot of bums in seats and a lot of shirts. At, you yeah, know, they're making a lot of money. It's really all about the gig, and I think. I understand why it's it's working like that. Like, I mean, records have died and people don't buy music really like they used to. But I think people will always want to buy an experience. Mm. And that's why they buy a ticket. Like, if you look at the the psychology and the mentality as to why do people pay money to see 
a show because they want to feel something and get yeah. inspired. And there'll, there'll always be value in that as long as there's an industry infrastructure behind it to put shows on and, and sell it to, to people, which mm. I believe there always will be. There's enough people passionate about music. Yeah. Um, so I always think, yeah, that there'll always be value in a, in a gig. There'll yeah. always be people that are willing to see and experience and pay for it. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, we're never going to go back to the days of selling CDs or physical product like we used to. That's gone because technology has surpassed, um, you know, where we used to be. Yeah. Music businesses that used to be in control of technology, now it controls us. Yeah. So we're sort of subservient to what Spotify and what Apple do. So we've got to play their game instead of them playing ours. Exactly. And we're just going to make it work for ourselves. And diversifying as well, you know, like not just being, um, you know, the the blues band or rock and roll band or whatever, but also being, uh, you're wearing all those different hats. Yeah. You know. That's right. Booking the shows and, you know, making sure you've got the, the juicy van hire sort That's of it. out. You know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, far out, man. Well, kind of winding down here. Thanks for having a chat with me. No, my pleasure, man. I did want to ask you, because um, I got the inside word from, from Kane before you. Um, for those of you, because this is a, an audio medium, um, but for those of you who haven't seen a, a photo or a video of, of Mike, he, he is a tall man. Yep. And you used to play basketball. I did. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I was a basketball freak when I was, I love, I grew up in the 90s, so it was when the Chicago Bulls. and. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 37 now. Okay, I'm 38. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so back in the days of, of Michael Jordan, Jordan was, and yes. Pippen and Rodman yeah. and good old Luke Longley. Yeah, Aussie right. Um, so, yeah, I played basketball for uh, a good two or three years back yeah. in Adelaide and I played Division One under 16s and I was in the state squad for a little while. And yeah. I loved my basketball. I wanted, I wanted to, to go to college in America and play and over really there. I just, pursue it, yeah. just wasn't wasn't good enough sure oh, it was good good player but not that good it's yeah you, yeah, be, you have to be that one in one hundred yeah seriously yeah. good um and i just wasn't wasn't that good to do it professionally but yeah i loved it and i yeah, still man. follow it a bit yeah nice um well yeah. I, I loved it as well like the basketball i mean <laughs> growing up as a kid in the 90s it, if you didn't like basketball it, there was something wrong with it you oh, know what i mean like yeah. it was the biggest thing in the world oh yeah it really yeah. was oh, and yeah. i try to talk talk to like some high school music teacher and i try to tell the kids you know about like try to explain to them why that pair of Jordans that they've got in their feet, why they even exist. Yeah, <laughs> you know? where they came it was from. because this guy History changed the entire world, with, yeah, you know, with definitely. how talented he was. And, yeah. You know, um, so yeah, when, when we're playing tonight, check out my, my kicks. I, I'm not wearing them now. I, I have awesome. a, I brought a pair of Jordans I only wear on stage. Yeah. That's our freak going out I love with my it. shoes. But, That's great. Um, yeah, you'll see the Jordan 7s tonight. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, we're wrapping up here. Thanks so much for sitting down and My having pleasure, a chat man. with me. And um, yeah, uh, how how can people um, follow you on social media? What's, yeah, I've what's got all the Facebook. Hashtags? I've got two Facebook. I've got a, like a profile page. You can add me there. I've got a, yep. like a music page that you can like on that. And I put all my gigs and videos and new songs and tour dates and all, all that sort of stuff, photos and all that up there. Cool. I've got Twitter. I've got Instagram. I've got a website. The website is www.mikeellerington.com. Beautiful. Yeah. Check it out all there. Well, I'll put all the links um, in the um, in the post for, for, for this episode. Yep. And, um, yeah, as the, the door opens there and we can hear some beautiful blues tunes, we'll, we'll leave it there. All Thanks, right. bye. Thanks for having me, mate. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Ciao.
And that's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring. Also, go check out my band, Smokestack Rhino, who are featured in this podcast every single week. Our opening song is a song called uh, Screwdriver Girls. It's our theme for the podcast. You can check out the whole track on iTunes. Uh, you can give the follow, give the follow, that's good. Give the band a follow on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, all that gear. Even our very own website, www.smokestackrhino.com. To keep up to date with our gigs, though, give us a like on Facebook. We, our touring dates will be uploaded as soon as they come in. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at artoftouringpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, maybe you'd like to come on the show. Give us, a, give us a holler there. You can listen to Art of Turing on Wooshka, and you can download it on iTunes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, give it a, give it a rating. Five stars. Open up the podcast app and uh, do yourself a favor. That'd be great. Well, do me a favor, rather. But um, it would be awesome if you could. That's all from this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Mike Elrington. If you'd like to see him in action and performing live, go and check out all his social media pages where all of his future dates will be added. Now let's get into some plugs. My band, Smokestack Rhino, are playing a Melbourne hometown show on Friday, August the 3rd. That's this Friday at the Bendigo Hotel in Collingwood with Whoopi Cat, Winter Moon and Swedish Pop Factory. All events are up on our Facebook page. You can download our debut album from iTunes or go to our Bandcamp page to purchase a physical copy or grab a t-shirt. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring with the Sith Dog. Oh, oh, oh! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Cafe 80s, where it's always morning in America, even in the afternoon.